We're speaking to Sandira Chetty, Farmers Weekly's digital editor. Sandira, good morning. What do you have for us in the latest edition of Farmers Weekly if we look at the news section? Hello, LCB, and to the listeners. Let's take a look at the top agri news headlines in the 10 November issue of Farmers Weekly. The first article discusses how U.S. biofuel policy aims to benefit grain and livestock farmers. New biodiesel policies in U.S. are set to increase prices for soya beans while reducing prices for soya bean oil cake over the long term. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Foreign Agricultural Service, FAS, has reported that growing U.S. demand for soya bean oil driven by low-carbon fuel mandates will continue to suppress soya bean oil exports in 2023-24, widening the trade gap and pushing the U.S. out of the global soya bean oil export market. Agatha Kingsbury, a senior economist at the FAS, noted that until recently, the U.S. was a major supplier of soya bean oil to the world. Exports peaked at 1.5 million tons in 2009-2010 and averaged 1 million tons between 2010 and 2021. Then over the last year, exports fell drastically to only 200,000 tons. At the same time, soya bean oil imports surpassed exports, making the U.S. a net importer of soya bean oil for the first time in history. The U.S.'s higher multi-year biofuel blending targets have also increased imports of other feedstocks like canola oil and U.S. cooking oil. The good news for livestock producers is that the availability of soya bean oil cake in the global market is set to increase as a result, placing downward pressure on prices. For the coming year, FAS expects global oil seed production to decrease with 2 million tonnes. The next article looks at the decline in agri-investment amid economic uncertainty. Increasing challenges and uncertainty in the agricultural sector are resulting in decreased investment. Trends showed that farmers were opting for cheaper, short-term solutions as uncertainty over their future likelihoods prevailed. While the Agbas IDC Agribusiness Confidence Index rebounded by 6 points from the second quarter in 2023 to 50 points in the third quarter, the index had remained below the 50-point mark for three consecutive quarters. The readings above the neutral 50-point mark implied that agribusinesses were optimistic about business conditions in South Africa. However, Wandile C. Schlobo, chief economist at Agbers, said that the long-standing problems of weakening municipalities, deteriorating roads, rising crime, inefficient logistics, and persistent load shedding remained major, major challenges that could undermine the sector's long-term growth. In terms of irrigation equipment, sales trends showed that over the past five years, farmers had been forsaking long-term investments in orchids for short-term investments in cash crops like vegetables. Michael Esmeraldo, Managing Director at Netafum, said that since the conversation around land expropriation without compensation picked up again around 2018, expansion of fruit orchids had slowed down. He said smaller farmers who can't carry big risks, are opting to plant crops with a quick turnaround instead. Large-scale farmers are still expanding, but at a far lower rate than previously. And lastly, sheep farmers say that more warthogs must be culled.
Sheep farmers are at their wit's end as damage caused by warthogs is threatening their livelihoods. Discussions that warthogs must be declared as predators is rampant, although the implications of such a decision is still unclear. Research conducted in 2012 by Monli Swanapool from the Department of Conservation, Ecology and Entomology at Stellenbosch University showed that warthogs are invasive due to their negative impact on farms in South Africa. Damage caused to fences was a major concern since these openings allow other predators to gain access to vulnerable livestock. Uprooting the felt and preying on lambs was also of concern. A source at the Department of Forestry, Fisheries and Environmental Affairs advised farmers who wish to control problematic warthogs to seek permission from the Provincial Environmental Department. What can readers expect in the feature section? So in the feature section this week, we find out how brothers Adrian and Philip started a brewery and ecotourism establishment from scratch. Adrian Robinson and his brother Philip did not know what they were getting themselves into 23 years ago when they decided over a glass of wine in a jacuzzi to buy a 1,800 hectare farm in the Ney Valley near Robinson in the Western Cape. Their initial idea was to start an ecotourism venture, but this had to be placed on hold due to the huge costs involved. Adrian and his wife were teacher-turned-bakers, while Philip is an accountant. According to Adrian, he said they did not know it took so much time and money to run a farm, never mind start an ecotourism business. Moving from having a regular income to only getting paid once a year was also a huge shock. So they found themselves focusing on the production of export fruit from the farm's existing area under production. Today, they have 14 hectares of wine grapes, 10 hectares of plums and two hectares of nectarines, peaches and olives, respectively. Having no farming background, it took them time to learn the ropes. He says that they had the basics under control and started getting decent tonnages after a couple of years. The challenge with farming, however, is that each season is different and each cultivar has its own unique requirements. In 2010, the brothers decided to open a craft brewery and restaurant. The decision was driven by the growing trend of of microbreweries that Philip saw during a trip to the Western Australian Margaret River region, which was a similar wine valley to the Robertson Valley. Adrian says that it made sense because they had been brewing their own beer since varsity and had baking experience. They experimented with different recipes until they found a winner. Around 2018, again in a hot tub, Philip and Adrian decided it was time to realize their eco-tourism dream. And in the livestock section? In the livestock section this week, we explore whether breeding for lower methane emissions is the answer. For most South African farmers, surviving the cost price squeeze is a far greater consideration than reducing methane emissions. While South Africans are not currently facing pressure to reduce carbon footprints like Europe and the US, emissions will need to be tackled in the near future. Considering the pressure the livestock industry faces globally for their methane emission contribution to greenhouse gases, it is expected that South African farmers will not be spared the scrutiny. The good news is that, as the focus on methane emissions from livestock production has intensified, so has research to reduce methane production in livestock. And as gene sequencing has become common among breeders to select the right qualities for their herd, genes that reduce methane are under the spotlight. About 90% of methane from cows is excreted by burping rumen gases from their mouths. This is a rumen fermentation byproduct. Determining what genes 
affect rumen gases and what effect these genes will have on production if deselected has become a burning question and one that requires far more research before conclusions can be drawn the food and agriculture organization of the united nations report on methane emissions in livestock published in september this year states that at present there are only a few instances where methane is taken into consideration in breeding programs across the world And what do you have in the crop section? In the crop section this week, we feature award-winning apple orchard owner James Downs to learn more about his exceptional orchard. The 1,5 hectare Crips Red Orchard that won two a days Stuart Murray Champagne Orchard Trophy earlier this year was manipulated to produce 157 tons of apples per hectare to help reduce plant vigor. One would think such high yields would negatively impact packouts, but it did not. About 128 tons of the apples went to two a days packhouse of which an impressive 94% was graded as class 1. What's more, apple counts averaged at 135, which is the best count possible and means each apple measured between 67 mm and 72 mm in diameter. The orchard consisting of old strain Crips Red on MM109 rootstock was planted at Dunman Way Farm in Grabo in 2016 at a density of 2272 trees per hectare. Granny Smith is used as the pollinator, planted every third tree in every third row. Crips Red and Crips Pink apples are related, with Crips Red having a red instead of pink blush the apple itself sold under the sundowner trade name has firm crisp flesh and a sweet tart flavor james downs owner of the farm ascribes the success of the orchard to the cool climatic conditions of the farm which favors the production of bio-colored apples along with this all the farm's orchards were planted on virgin soil as such the land did not come with the soil health or disease baggage associated with older developed land The advisory services provided by Two a Days technical support team called Fruitmax is another big contribute contributor to the farm's success. James says that there are about 75 new apple varieties being evaluated for planting internationally with another 15 or so currently available for production in South Africa. This means they have not reached the end yet. There still is upside potential for on-farm improvement with these new varieties. So to learn more about this award-winning farm, get yourself a copy of the 10 November issue of Farmers Weekly. And that was Sindira Chetty, the digital editor for Farmers Weekly.